Welcome to Bulletproof Business. Bulletproof Business. A podcast about the best strategies for exponential growth, achieving success, and dealing with failure. Hosted by the founders of Virtual Assistant Staffing Agency, John Trusty and Brady Morgan. They seek to bring fresh and eye-opening conversations with successful business leaders to the surface. Welcome to the show. Before we dive into the episode, let's talk about our company, Virtual Assistant Staffing Agency. We do exactly what our name says. We staff business owners with virtual talent so they can grow to the next level. Whether you're looking to offload administrative, creative, or technical tasks, we are your number one solution for outsourcing. Head over to our website, www.vastaffing.agency. Book a call with our team and get started for free. What is going on, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan, and you are listening to the Bulletproof Business Podcast. Here with my co-host, John Trusty, and our special guest, Terry Fair. Terry has had an entrepreneurial spirit since he was a preteen selling anything he could. In 1997, he opened his first business as a contractor, and in 2002, he became a real estate investor and has been in love with the industry ever since. Up until 2021, Terry always did things the hard way. That's when he discovered the power of mentorship and financial education. Terry spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaches who taught him the importance of delegation and systems. To this day, he continues to invest sizable amounts of his own money on personal development. Of the many businesses he owns producing millions of dollars annually, he works less than five hours a week in total. Not because he's lazy, but because he is so efficient that any more time spent in the office would be wasteful. Most of his time is spent coaching his team to be better and coaching other entrepreneurs how to avoid the mistakes he's made over the years. His newest focus is building and scaling his e-commerce automation company. Terry specializes in earning more money in less time, and he's ready to share his secrets with the world. Terry, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. What's going on? Thanks for having me, bud. Appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. So that's quite the resume and talking about delegation and systems is right down our alley. So I'm excited to dive into that. But before we dive into that, we always ask this first question. It's a tough one. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Oh, all right. Quick off the top of my head, I would say uh, timeshare. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure it was probably one of the dumbest things I ever... But you know what? You know what's crazy about it? I'm probably one of the few people on the planet that actually got out of the two timeshares I got sucking into. I was sold. What is uh, Grant Cardone's book? Seller get sold. Seller be sold. I was sold on that one uh, two times in within like a year or two years or something like that. But I actually sold them and made money. Made a few bucks wow. on them. It's crazy. But yeah, that was like after I did it, like. A year and a half later, I was like, why did I buy those? It's such a dumb decision. When I, what's crazy is I was getting my hair cut, and this is probably a year ago, and I knew the person cutting my hair from uh, high school. And she said, yeah, my husband's in sales. He makes about 30 grand a month. I said, what does he sell? And she said, timeshares. I was like, what? (laughs) How does he make 30 grand a month selling timeshares? He's got to be an incredible salesman at that point. Oh, they freaking kill it. They kill it. <laughs> What's one of the most ridiculous uh, answers that you've heard so far out of that question? A lot of people. So I interviewed Sam Bakhtiar, who has since passed away. And I interviewed John a lot and their buddies. 
And they said that they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on bottle service before. That's the dumbest thing I've ever spent money on. Now there's a caveat to that. I am like, if you're out with friends or family and having a good time, I get it. But he said the amount of times they've done it, it's just too much. (laughs) It's way too much. You never got the answer like blowing hookers. (laughs) No, no, no. Coincidentally not. I I interviewed, um, I did interview Bradley who I would expect that that answer to come from. But Bradley said his, his was trying to impress people. So that's the majority of people say is, you know, and that could be blowing hookers that he spent money on to impress people. I don't know. But essentially just like buying things to look better than you actually are, which is what a lot of people do. Um, I'm obviously not, I don't care. I wear a hoodie and t-shirt and gym shorts every day. I don't have to look the part, but uh, that's the majority of people say. But I will say that above all else, I think people recognizing they've spent dumb money is power in and of itself. I think like, like I'm young, I'm 25 and trustees 26. Um, that's right. You know, we have probably spent dumb money, but you live and you learn. So you kind of have to spend dumb money to learn what not to spend money on. You'll probably never buy a timeshare again. So that's a good thing. <laughs> but, uh, but Terry, as we dive into this, obviously you've been in the entrepreneurial world for uh, probably over two decades now, but give my audience a quick 30 second intro, you know, the elevator pitch of who Terry Thayer is. Yeah, I've been in business myself for 25 years, 20 years in, in real estate, the last few years in, in uh, uh, e-commerce. And I've spent many years really doing everything the hard way. And, and mm-hmm. like I went 10 years without even taking a single vacation and looking down upon people that took a day off. Like it was, it was insanity, but then switching my mindset, I'm like, why I'm not on this planet to just produce and work. And, uh, you know, roughly about 10 years ago, learned about mentorship and things changed for me. And now, now the vision every single day is like, how can I do more and work less? How can I make more and do less? Like every single opportunity, that's the way I look at it. Like how much time is this going to take me? Because the one thing I do realize that I finally figured out that I'll never get more of is time. I can get more of all the rest of the things. And what's funny is like, I actually make more doing less than I did, you know, just grinding it out and trying to be a control freak and, and figure everything out myself. Isn't that yeah, I funny? Think that, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that comes from, you, you know, when you try to do too much, you really aren't accomplishing anything. Yeah. Super well, and I was going to say, like, it's funny because we're, we believe the exact same thing. People will work 80 hours a week and make, still make money. But then when you cut that in half, it's, you make double. It's like, it, it is such an inverse relationship. It doesn't make sense. I'll tell right. you this. But it it does once you do it. So like my question is, what was that defining moment? You didn't take a vacation for 10 years. Obviously, something happened where you're like, shit, I got to stop working so much. Well, you know what? A lot of change happens because of pain, right? 10 years deep, I was starting to feel pain (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Like my joints are even hurting, right? But but the pain of of lost relationships, the pain of... uh, just not no experiences, just, it it just started all finally hitting me. Right. And I remember I went to my first mastermind I ever had been to, and there's somebody up there speaking, talking about how they're living their life and live in Florida, but they're spending a lot of time in Southern California and getting ready to go on a month long trip and all these things that were going to happen in their business while they were gone. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way in hell, like, I'm sitting here at this mastermind. I'm gone for a day and a half of, of actual work day. And I feel like when I get back, 
my entire business is going to be burnt to the ground. Right. And so there was just like this, I, I became obsessed with what, what that person was saying. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Like this is, this is for the birds. This is bullshit of like working, 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 working. I've got to figure out a better way. And I literally went back, um, met my guys at the back door of my, my, the warehouse. And I had 16 carpenters working for me a bunch of trucks, trailers, equipment. I mean, it was just, I was managing carpenters, right? And what are carpenters? I mean, I, I, I used to be a carpenter, so I could talk shit about carpenters, <laughs> bug addicts, alcoholics, like their, their girlfriends bringing them to work. Cause they don't have a, have a license. Like, and I met them at the back door and, um, I, I, I let all 16 of them go and I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what the plan was, but I knew if I didn't like rip the bandaid off and start making change right then, I never would make the change. Cause I know me, I just like, it's habit, repetitive, repetitive. Right. So I spent the next uh, six, nine months redesigning how I was going to start building my, my businesses. And it was instead of managing people, I wanted to manage my business and then hire companies and subcontract things out and do it at a different level on more of a controlled way. That was my first step. And now it's at a point where like, I don't like to hire technicians. I like to hire managers and outsource the technician part. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So how'd you go from contractor to real estate to the e-commerce automation part and how do they all tie in together? Yeah. Yeah. So contract, I grew up as a carpenter, right? My third, third generation, um, pretty much every spare moment I had, I was working with my dad as a, as a carpenter. Then when I moved down to North Carolina back in 95 for a couple of years, I'm, I'm working my dad's company and I started finding all these gaps of, of, problems and i'm like oh i can solve that problem let me buy a truck some equipment put a crew together boom that's how i became a contractor so i was a contractor but then i'm like man i was like like i'm at the bottom of the food chain like how do i be that guy that builder guy like the guy that's hiring me and so that's that was what went through my head and i went out and i thought you needed a general contractor's license to flip houses and build houses back then so i went and got my gc license and that's how i got started back in oh two and started flipping houses, tearing down houses, building new houses. And uh, that's where it just the journey took off. And then e-commerce was, you know, I started I learned about mentorship, started going to masterminds, started going to events. And I remember this one event that I went to, everybody I'm meeting, they're all in e-commerce, right? And they're all like, I don't think one person was even 25 years old. They're like in their early 20s. And they're like, I'm having these conversations and I'm at the time in my 30s. And I'm hearing like they're like yeah yeah i live here uh, you know in this big house i rent or whatever and then i'll live there six months and i'm going here and making all this money and i'm like you got to be kidding me like this is the life right (laughs) i'm tied to this one area so that was 2015 that whole conversation started so i started like venturing out trying to figure the whole thing out youtube talking to people and such and then it was uh, roughly about 2018 where I started really getting serious with it and really figuring it out. And I, uh, while well, starting to get into to the Shopify, and I was like, man, this is this is just not really where I want to be. Started my first Amazon store, um, started playing around with that, built up a team, another store. Then I started buying stores from people, automation stores, and then I realized that like being in business for as long as I've been in business, the way these people were running their businesses was in my opinion, shit. Like they had terrible customer service. They weren't producing re- results. And I'm like, 
I know I can systematize the hell out of this, put together a badass team, uh, uh, bring, bring on different clients and produce real profits for them. And I saw an opportunity and I jumped on it, restarted our own automation company. Love it. So, so for you, when you work with these e-commerce brands, what's first for you, automation or building a team? When I'm working, no, no. So what I'm doing is I'm the automation company. So oh, gotcha. Now, yeah, no, I'm the automation company. So yeah, so I'm I'm selling stores to clients and we're doing the automation for them. Interesting. Yeah, so rebuilt. So what happened was it's like, I look at it like this, like real estate. Okay, I've been in real estate a long time. I've owned a lot of single family rental properties. I've actually just about sold all of them off and I'm moving more into multifamily because I've realized the myth of single family rentals is bullshit, like of cash flow, it's absolute bullshit, right? You you buy a property, say you put 20, 30, 40, $50,000 into a down payment uh, and then a mortgage off the rest of it, right? To receive three to $500 a month in cash flow. <laughs> and that cash flow, the first time something happens, goes poof in thin air, gone. Right. So it's not real cash flow. So how do you win with single family rentals, appreciation, depreciation, and a renter pay, pays down the mortgage? Right. The cash flow is all mess because one HVAC unit, boom, gone. Uh, yep. They move out and destroy the carpet and we have to repaint, boom, gone. So with, but the way single family rentals and property management all works, it's like it's a property manager or per, a kid didn't wake up one day and said, when I grow up, I want to be a property manager. Like it doesn't no. happen, right? What they did is they acquired a bunch of properties. They own say a hundred properties. And then they're like, you know what? I'm using these five different property managers. I know I can do this better. So why don't I hire these three people? I'm going to start my own property management company, but with those same three people, I can manage a thousand properties. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to cash flow or not cash flow, but I'm going to build a business and, and earn income on 900 of them while I'm building mine. But that's also going to open up opportunities of me being able to get properties and so on and so forth. Okay. So now take that in e-commerce automation. You build out a store and between me and my business partner, my wife, my daughter, we have a handful of stores, right? When we wanted to automate our stores, we put a team together. Well, that same team can manage nearly a hundred stores, but it's, it's managing a handful. Mm-hmm. So why don't we capitalize on doing this exact same thing for other people? And instead of just having, you know, just this big team just running our stuff. Now we can also make profits on these other people and then make them profits. Gotcha. So, so I think uh, it's, it's very similar how the two work together. And the difference is, is that e-commerce automation is real profits because e-commerce automation, if you had the right operator, uh, you're going to make, you know, depending on your credit, like you can make in the first year, three to $10,000 a month, right? Next year, you can double that. Next year, you can double that, you know, as long as you can scale with your credit. So what does that, what does automation mean? Because, you know, I, I see it a lot where it's like Amazon automation. Uh, I think Walmart automation is the the newest thing in the e-com space. And I, again, I'm learning right here. I don't know a lot about e-com. So what does that mean when you say automate, automating a store? Okay, so Walmart, we were doing some stuff with Walmart, and it's just not something that we want to deal with. So we're we're strictly sticking to Amazon right now. Okay, but what that means is we we do the drop shipping model. Okay, so we find a product that we can sell on Amazon for up here, and then we find where we can buy it for less down here, and then we and then you make the the profit in between. Right. On it. 
cloud yep. speak, right? So it's a drop shipping model. So the automation piece is somebody per- comes to me, they buy a store from me. They say, hey, I want to, it's almost like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a licensing fee or a franchise fee or something. They're purchasing it. I'm basically getting a store. I'm setting it up, putting a product in there, the whole nine, right? We manage everything. Customer service, the buy-in, the shipping, or not shipping, but the, the any kind of returns, any of that stuff. Everything we do. What you're doing as the client is you're purchasing the store. We need some things from you to get everything set up. Once we have everything set up and the store is running what we call commercial activity, producing commercial activity, the only thing you're doing at that point in time is you have to pay down your credit cards twice a month as you're getting paid twice a month from Amazon. And then we send you a bill for our percentage of our cut, just like a property manager would. And that's it. We do everything else and you're, the money goes directly to you. We're just asking for our part in an invoice for you to pay us. And then you're paying down your credit cards. So literally you're receiving passive income without having to actually do the work. Or it's one of the biggest reasons why people don't get in e-commerce, the same reason I didn't. Lack of knowledge, yep. lack of experience, lack yep. of, like there's not resources. Like you want to learn real estate, everybody and their brother's teaching real estate. Everybody and their brother's not teaching how to, how to create Amazon automation companies or even Amazon stores. And if they do, they're leaving out a lot of major details. Unfortunately, those real estate teachers are teaching too much about buying single family investment properties, but that's, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, so are you building out the exact storefront? You're actually building and designing the, the face of this company. You're filling the products and then you're handing this over for them to operate it basically. Yeah. So I have a full team in the Philippines. You guys deal oh. with a lot of uh, BAs. We have uh, a little, total with all of our companies. We have over a hundred VAs working for us. Wow, that's awesome! That's and awesome. We, we, literally, we, we literally have uh, separate departments for the e-commerce business. They each have their own department. There's department heads. There's a main general manager. There's an HR person. Like there's, it's a full operation. And then there is three shifts. So there's shift managers, and then there's people in each one of the shifts. And every single box department has their own SOPs training where this department pushes this button only. That's all they do is just push this button all day long. This department pulls this lever all day long. Like there's very specific to what they do. And it's just very repetitive. They're doing the same thing over and over all day long. Harry, when did the idea of utilizing overseas virtual assistants come in? Where What, what was the, the caveat to make you do that? I've been using people in the Philippines. Philippines, I every time I ventured away from the Philippines, I always go back to the Philippines. Always. Yeah. By far, like the best people uh, to, to work with. I think I started working with uh, VAs in the Philippines. I'm trying to think what year, probably 2014, maybe, wow. maybe even a little bit earlier. And it was um, before all the skip tracing companies and all that stuff. And I would literally buy a list and I would have, I would have to manually skip trace um, the list. So I would have VAs manually skip tracing them, uh, cold calling them, getting interest, making sure it's the right number, just different things like that. So that we, me and me and team can go through and attack them and buy properties. Sweet. So was it, it was the, the price advantage. Is that why you liked it? Was the cost? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know what, beside cost, it's a stamina. 
right? Where, how are you going to get anybody in the U.S. to do the exact same thing, the same single thing every single day? Of, it doesn't. It doesn't. It happen. burnt out and it goes somewhere else, right? So mm-hmm. I think stamina then cost. Right? Yeah. Cost is just a bonus, a perk. Like, I would be happy to have someone just grind out. But there's no way in hell I'm going to get somebody from the U.S. to do that type of work that fast, that efficient, and be happy doing it. Yeah, yep. that's what I was going to say. You, I, I love the term stamina. I've actually never heard that before. I love that term. Um, but then you say happy to do it. See, there's people in the U S who would probably be like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. But I want 60 grand a year. I mean, I'm going to bitch the entire time. Right. <laughs> like, okay. Right. This I'm is not work. constantly. Yeah. I want to leave early on Friday, like this whole, the whole night. And they're <laughs> not going to be nearly as efficient. I'm going to get 25% of the work done that somebody for $3 an hour is going to do. Yep. yep. I love it. So, so for you, right, you, you work less than five hours a week and you mentioned earlier how the less you worked, the more money you made. Definitely an inverse relationship. I imagine VAs are a big part of that. What other systems have you put in place to allow you to work less and less every year? So I mentioned SOPs. Mm-hmm. I have, I, I create an SOP for every single thing. And then we break that down in the, in the separate trainings, different process, how to follow the SOP. And it's, you just make it so that every single thing that's done in any business or any department is bulletproof. It can't be screwed up. Right. And then every time you like what, what I do now is I just, as a CEO of my entire ecosystem, because we have five active businesses that we're working in, I, I spend the majority of my time mentoring my, my, my mentorship program. Right. So mm-hmm. in that company, I spend well more than five hours a week, right? But less than five hours a week, like, it's what I don't spend. I don't even think I spend five hours a week in all the rest of these companies, right? Cause I have an operator for each one of the companies. Yep. I have, there's I'm C- CEO, there's CFO, COO, and then COOs of each one of those companies. So it's just more like strategy. Like right now I'm, I'm working on a new strategy to be able to take down more multifamily apartments. Right. And I'm, so right now I'm, I'm kind of testing the whole thing. So I, I just like, it's like, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys are young, but Dr. Dre, there's that one song. He's like, I'm in the, uh, uh, I was, I'm in the uh, lab with a pen and a pad. I don't know if you remember that whole line. And he's like, like, that's what I feel like I'm in. I'm, I'm in the lab with a pen and a pad. Like I'm sitting there, like trying to figure out a new way of doing something, a new yeah. way of generating income. And then all I do is I put a system together. I, I figure the whole thing out. I write out, put a system together, write trainings together. And then I find somebody to do it. I love it. I love it. I love it. No, I think SOPs are crucial. We, we tell people that a lot where people think that they can just get a virtual assistant and like, boom, problem solved. No, you have to have a system in place that that VA can work in SOPs, whether that's text or video, we suggest both because people learn differently. Oh. Um, but like you, you're a true testament that when you actually follow that system, this is all anybody wants is time. People just want time back. And obviously money is a good thing as well, but I'm a big believer in like, how can you increase your hourly rate? Let's say your salary is stagnant and you're never going to make more, never going to make less. How do you increase your hourly rate? Work less, work less hours and find a way to systemize that. So you're a true testament. So like, do, do you implement automation at all? Or do you use anything like that? Or is it mainly just you, you utilize your resources in terms of headcount? So, I mean, no, there's, there's automation all throughout all kinds of different things that we're doing. Uh, we actually just implemented this morning on a call with uh, with my one of my digital marketer companies that we deal with, implementing a whole automation just for um, 
uh, what do you call it? Not referrals, but uh, testimonies or oh, oh, testimonials. Yeah. 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 Like t- testimonials and um, references. What I'm trying to think of, what, what do you call it? Like you referrals, affiliates, all in that same uh, ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Anyways, we've yeah. got this whole thing where my dispositions manager, as soon as we close on a property, he doesn't have to go through all this stuff. He literally clicks a button on our CRM. It auto, it creates, it triggers automation to send it out to all these different places. And if you do it, oh, by the way, you get a $25 gift card at Starbucks or whatever, and that whole thing. So they're building out that automation that should be done and ready and implemented by Monday. That's so awesome. yeah, I try to create, create automation anywhere we can, anytime I see an opportunity. Yeah. But you're not creating that automation. Someone on your team's doing that for you? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Brady's big, big, big into automation. He's uh, and he he's now we're delegating it out to one of our virtual assistants too. But Brady's a robot. I mean he he automated I it. I, our I entire like company. It. Yeah. Have you have you heard of the platform called Bubble.io? Have you heard of that? Bubble. Bubble. So it's essentially it. it rings a bell. Yes. It's it's called no code. It's essentially a way to create a web app without code. It's just drag and drop. If this then that. Um, I, I've known about it for a while, but I'm in the process of never done this before building out a software for us because I love Zapier. I love, you know, the automation that we use monday.com. I love all of that stuff. This is that the, if this, then that, but on steroids, gotcha. a lot, you have complete control over literally everything. So I'm super excited. But when you say automation, like you're speaking my language, I love automation. I love systemizing. I'm constantly like, Hey, trusty. Uh, we don't have to do this anymore because it's automated or someone else is doing it now. So definitely like I, I, you are a testament and we preach this all the time that CEOs need to do CEO stuff. Yep. And we talk to so many people that are like, yeah, I do all the bookkeeping. Yeah. I do all the client follow-up. Yeah. I handle this. I handle that. It's like, well, yeah, you're working hundred hours a week and you hate your life. <laughs> so you're not a business owner. Your business owns you. Right. Dude, you, I, so many things that you've said, it's what I say all the time. I don't hear too many other people say that. So you at 25 uh, uh, talking like, that, I mean, it's amazing. Like I didn't figure that shit out until I was way further out in life. I remember the first book that I read that was a big aha was E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Oh yeah. Some, some process. I'm like, that makes sense. You yeah. know, so like, let's start documenting everything we do and start creating trainings. And that's yep. when really duplication starts to happen is when when you can create that training and then like last week i had uh you know i, I told you guys before i I have uh trainings or sorry i source cold callers and admin vas yep. for our real estate uh biz, or people that we work with so last week i was thinking to myself like my training that i have it's good but it's not great and so i rewrote the entire thing put my head down for three days straight and i put a post out there that i was i was writing something and all these people are like, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want it. So I ended up pre-selling like 30 of them. Wow. With, and then we just delivered it, started delivering it yesterday. And inside there, there's a whole bunch of upsells. And it, it that those 30 that pre-selled off that one little Instagram story that I put will turn into multiple six figures between wow. people coming into mentorship and all. Yep. It's just like, I just developing a training for my team, but how do we monetize it in other places? I love that. We're, we're working on something similar as well with our, we call it VA University, where it helps you work with your virtual assistant and onboard them. Uh, but we're going to have it kind of a done for you package as well. Yeah. I want to I go back to, 
Go ahead, Brady. I was going to say, you'd be surprised, like speaking on VAU of how many people know about VAs, but when it comes to working with them, it's like they've never, they don't know anything. Um, no, like what you said, you don't just hire a VA and expect them just to do, it's like, it's like an employee. Like yeah. if you were just to hire somebody and then just never talk to them and never set them up, you're setting them up for failure. Yep. Like, yep. You take that person and set them up for massive success and it's given them the blueprint of what you need to do. You don't go build a house with absolutely no built blueprint. Like you have a specific specs on every single part of it. Why the hell don't we do it with, with our, with our team members in our yep. business? Completely agree. That's one of the headaches we run into when we're staffing for people is that they're, they, it's more of like, they don't know what to do. Right. So when you talk about creating that blueprint, it's almost, it's just all in their head and they do it as they go. And they have a hard time. They, it's, it's like they, they're not willing to stop the rat race to document everything, to onboard the virtual assistant, which will save them time and make them more money in a week or two because they're just they're so worried about what's going on today. So I've got another product for you guys then. You have all these different services, right? Why don't you have, whether it's you guys or have one of your VAs, T20 or VAs, how to do process uh whatever you want to call it, process like documentation and saying, Hey, what do you want to do? And then, okay, how do you do it? And just literally spend an hour on a call with somebody yep. and breaking down every single piece. And then boom, you've created the SOP for them and yep. then char- charge extra for that. Yeah, we, we, we actually, do that actually. We do that actually. So we have an exercise we go through. It's called the three list method. Um, there's a book called virtual freedom. I think his name is Peter. No, I think it's Chris Ducker. Peter or Chris Ducker, one of those names, but he wrote it and he talks about this and we, we've kind of spun it up a little bit, but it's three lists of things. I don't like doing things. I don't know how to do and things I'm not good at. And you as a business owner, you just brain dump on this piece of paper and like, there's no wrong answers. You're probably going to have things that cross lists, but you focus on that first list of things I don't like doing. You bucket them out by the position that could fulfill those different things. And then whatever bucket has the most in it, you create SOPs on that. I think the reason people don't get started is they'll go that far. We're like, okay, here's everything I'm responsible for. They get so overwhelmed. They're just like, screw it. I'll keep doing it myself. And it's such a bad route, but so many people do that. So many people work themselves to death, ton of potential. But when you're working hundred hours a week and killing yourself in the process, you, that's why you're failing because you have no brain space to even think about what you have to do as a CEO and generate in revenue. Yep, you're right. I have I have something very similar to that. I call it the time freedom exercise. Yeah. And it extracts out all the things that you shouldn't be doing so that yep. you can work on more uh, income uh, generating activities and then outsource the rest of it. Yeah, we we do an exercise too with uh, clients. It's called ROTI, so the return on time investment, because yeah. people will get virtual assistance. And we we have two models where we charge an upfront fee or we'll actually manage this person actively for people. And they're always like, okay, what's my return on investment? I'm like, well, that's kind of hard with, uh, you know, a resource, a headcount, unless they're generating sales for you. But for an admin assistant, like, how do you know? So we do return on time investment where, and and the people are notorious for this. Let's say you have a task that takes you 10 minutes. Over the course of a year, if you do that task every business day, that's 43 hours that you're doing this one 10 minute task, but it's not enough time to where you feel like you have to outsource it. And you're like, okay, it's 10 minutes. I'll do it myself. Well, let's say you get a VA that's $5 an hour. It's $215 a year and a 1900% return on time investment. So you're getting those 43 hours back. And let's say you're worth $100, that's $4,300 that you're spending to do a 10 minute task every day. 
So when you start to put that in people's heads, they just don't get it. They, they just think like, oh, it's just 10 minutes. Well, no, let's think about this annually. And then you put the time in, in the beginning to actually train. And guess what? You have those 43 hours back annually. What else can you do? Can you do another 10 minute task? Now you have 86 hours, another one. Now you have, you know, 129 hours. So I think people just need the education, which is something we're super passionate about of like, you get it. And I think you probably taught yourself along the way how to make the system work for you. A lot of people need that training. They need to be able to, to learn how it's actually going to work for them inside their organization. So in the same 43 hours, how much money, how much extra deals or in- income can you produce yeah. in that 43 hours? So like, that's what the ROI is. Exactly. Or just like Freedom rest. Clarity. Yeah. Or rest. Yeah. Or rest. Like if you haven't taken a break in 10 years, like why don't you take an hour nap, <laughs> you know, like now you can, now you can uh, afford that. So I think people just need help. Um, I think virtual assistants, even though they've been talked about for probably close to two decades, it's still a new concept that people don't get. And I think with the pandemic of everybody working remote and virtual, people are getting more comfortable with that. And the unemployment rates in the US, no one wants to work for less than 60 grand and they're not going to do administrative tasks. You're like, okay, I can't do this. Someone has to do it. And I can't pay someone 60 grand a year to do it. So that's where the virtual assistant comes into play. Yep. Very true. Very true. I love it. So Terry, as we wrap up, we've been talking for about 30, 35 minutes or so. This final question, this podcast, even though this is the first one of the rebranded podcast, but your business, how is it bulletproof? It's bulletproof because of the systems, right? Are you talking about like internally or my industry? Both. My, my business is, is bulletproof, as bulletproof as it could possibly be because we put systems and processes in place and then we train people to follow those systems and processes. And when we need something tweaked, we just tweak the system and process and we train every single day. We have every single person on my team is required to do a minimum of 30 minutes per day of some type of training that relates to their position up to a maximum of an hour on our time. Right. And we encourage them. If you want to be better, you want to make more money, you want to be more valuable to us, do it on other times outside of uh, working in these hours so that you can be better. We create culture. Uh, culture is a big thing. Like yep. culture, it just like you get people that just want to do anything, anything for you. Like they go to war yeah. for you every single day and they have fun doing it. Right. So it's um, my big thing is like, you know, you're not going to keep everybody forever. So, but I want to make sure that when you come here, I want you to leave much better person, much more educated and much more valuable than you came here. Yeah, I love it. I love it. No, I think that's huge. And I think systems are the backbone of a successful business and people need to definitely take that into account. But Terry, thank you so much for your time. And where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, social media, Terry Thayer, II uh, on Instagram, Facebook is probably the best ways. Awesome. Yeah, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, reach out to Terry, let him know what you thought about it. And Terry, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bulletproof Business. We post new episodes every week, and we'd greatly appreciate it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.